Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corrine Pettit, and I'm here today with Veronica Richardson, a certified registered nurse practitioner who is in practice with Penn Dermatology at the Perelman Center for Advanced Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She is also a member of the National Psoriasis Foundation's Medical Board. Ms. Richardson offers a variety of expertise to treat her patients with psoriatic disease, from use of topicals to biologics. We're here today to talk about over-the-counter products. Welcome, Veronica. Thanks for joining Soundbites today. Thanks, Corrine. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this podcast, and hopefully our listeners will find today's podcast helpful. Fantastic. Well, there are so many over-the-counter products that it seems overwhelming. We often hear from people asking, what are the best soaps, lotions, shampoos, anti-itch, or other products to use? Each have their own claims of how they'll help. I'm hoping you can offer advice and tips and help us make finding the right options easier. So to reduce redness and itching, what key ingredients should someone look for in a moisturizer? Could be a cream, lotion, ointment, or oil. So I agree. Looking for over-the-counter topicals can be really overwhelming. Patients can go into the store and go down the skincare aisle that seems seemingly endless. Um, So I'd like to get started first by what patients should really look for when they're heading into the store looking for something for their skin. I think the first piece of advice would be to look for things that are packaged in either a jar or a tub. Things that are packaged in either a jar or a tub means that they're either a cream or an ointment. And creams and ointments are by far superior when it comes to moisturizing the skin. So if you were to compare a cream or an ointment to a lotion, creams and ointments provide much more moisturizing power uh, to the skin. Ingredients like petrolatum, oil, ceramides or ammonium lactate are found in a lot of common over-the-counter moisturizers. Um, And any one of those are a great option for patients. Um, Patients can find that uh, different topicals feel different on their skin. So I'll often recommend that patients try to pick up either a travel size or a sample size of a moisturizer so they can try it out at home, you know, before they uh, make the purchase of buying a big jar. Once you have your moisturizing routine down pat, then patients can really consider adding something to help with the redness and itching. And we know that the redness and itching and psoriasis is related to the inflammation in the skin. So for example, things like hydrocortisone cream can be helpful in reducing the inflammation, which then drives the itch and redness. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about other topical ingredients that can help those types of symptoms later on in the podcast. Great. And how would someone determine which ingredient or form is better to use for them? It depends on the body location that patients are treating. For example, a spray or a shampoo is going to be much more amenable for use in the scalp versus a cream or an ointment would be too greasy for that area. So it would be better for a body extremity location like an arm, a leg, or somewhere on the torso. Are there any benefits of choosing a product with one ingredient over another? For example, is shea butter or aloe vera better to use than an oil-based product? 
So choosing one ingredient over the other um, is really a personal decision for patients in terms of what they like and how it feels on their skin. I think when we're talking about things like shea butter or coconut oil or aloe vera um, and oatmeal baths, things like that, if patients like the way it makes their skin feel, I think that's an, a, re, a reasonable addition to put into their skincare regimen. But you want to be careful that those products like shea butter or aloe don't have other hidden ingredients like dyes and fragrances and perfumes that might be irritating to the skin. A good rule of thumb is the blander the better when it comes to choosing what you put on your skin. Ceramide-based products tend to be a little bit less greasy compared to oil or petrolatum-based products. So if you're not a huge fan of more of those oil or or, or greasy-type formulations, that might be a better option for you. Um, Things like ammonium lactate. Um, Ammonium lactate-containing products tend to be good for reducing scale. So if that's a goal for treating your psoriasis is really getting down some of that scale, that might be a reason to choose something uh, that contains ammonium lactate. Um, I'm really comfortable with letting my patients experiment with the topicals that they use and find something that feels good on their skin. Some patients may love the idea of an oatmeal bath, and that may make other patients cringe at the idea. So um, giving patients the space to kind of choose what feels good for them, but also with the underlying principles of um, bland, emollient-based moisturizers is really a good rule of thumb. Great. Some of those tips I hadn't heard before, so thank you. So any tips for avoiding greasy or tar stains after using some of these products? Yes. So that's a common complaint that we get from patients or that, oh, these topicals are just so messy and it it ruins my nice silk blouses or I get stains on my sheets. And I wish I had a a miracle cure for that. But some practical tips in terms of avoiding greasy uh, stains on on your clothing or tar stains on your clothing or towels and things like that would be kind of set aside your psoriasis treatment clothes, so to speak. So um, if you know that you're going to be using coal tar treatments certain days of the week. Those might be the days where you pull aside your dark colored clothing or pajamas where you're not afraid of getting those, um, you know, a little bit stained. Um, Other things that we think about is alternating, you know, using a cream during the day. Creams tend to be not as messy and then setting aside um, the evenings for use of ointment. So cream during the day, ointment at night, it can be um, a nice way to still provide the skin with um, treatment, but not ruin your clothing. Great. I like that idea of having separate clothing, kind of like you have your paint clothes, you have your psoriasis clothes. Exactly. So we always hear moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. What are the benefits of using a moisturizer? I really like to emphasize the use of a moisturizer for my patients because it can be very helpful in restoring and repairing the skin barrier. If you imagine your skin set up like a brick wall, a series of bricks held together by mortar, your skin is very much the same way. Your skin cells are held together by a nice fatty lipid layer. Moisturizers essentially serve as mortar and really reinforcing that mortar between your skin cells. So moisturizers are really important to be at the foundation of your skincare treatment because it strengthens the skin barrier itself. And are there any over-the-counter topicals that may interfere with prescribed psoriasis treatments? I like to make sure when my patients come and see me that I know everything that they're doing at home. I want to incorporate as much of the home treatments that they're using into their 
prescribed therapies. Um, so it's really important for me to know what they're using at home. There is one topical in particular, um, coal tar or tar-based products, that can make individuals more sensitive to light. And one of the very common treatments that we use for psoriasis is phototherapy. So it's really important for me, for example, to know if they're using a coal tar preparation, um, if I'm going to send them to phototherapy because I know they may be more prone to burning. So I think that's really the most common example of um, over-the-counter topicals that are available that could potentially interfere with treatments that we're doing in the office. So shifting gears here a little bit to another type of over-the-counter product, we know about 60% of people with psoriasis have scalp psoriasis, which can be really frustrating to deal with. Many questions come up about what's the best shampoo to use. What do you recommend, especially if plaques are present on the scalp? Scalp psoriasis can be really tough and it's really frustrating uh, for patients because they'll be using topicals and feel like they're not working. And and they're right. And that's often uh, because there are really thick layers of, of scale in the scalp and it doesn't allow for medications to penetrate properly. When we start patients on a good scalp regimen, part of that regimen is what we call descaling or adding a keratolytic. A keratolytic is a topical that breaks down skin cells. Um, so using a keratolytic to break down those skin cells allows the skin to be able to respond better to other topical therapies. There are two keratolytics or two products that are really good at descaling, so to speak, that you can find over the counter. Salicylic acid, and coal tar or tar, um, these keratolytics are found over the counter, oftentimes in shampoos, and they can be a very good and successful part of a scalp psoriasis regimen. It's really important, though, for patients to understand that these topical shampoos actually need to sit in the scalp for four or five minutes before they're rinsed out, which is a little bit different than what we're used to in our regular shampoos. So just to kind of sum that up, salicylic acid, um, and tar-based shampoos are really good at descaling, but they need to sit in the scalp for a few minutes before rinsing off. If somebody is using an ointment or oil on their scalp, do you have any tips for applying that to get it down to the layer of the scalp? That's a great question, especially patients who have a lot of hair or very curly hair. They can get very frustrated and trying to figure out how to get the medicine down into their scalp. I recommend doing it on wet hair. So once you come out of the shower, combing through the hair and then parting the hair with a comb or a brush into sections really allow for um, you to kind of get down to the scalp because you're right, it's a scalp treatment, not a hair treatment. So you want to avoid putting uh, as much as the product on the hair and you really want to be focused on getting it down into the scalp. I've had some patients who actually take um, a little paintbrush and they'll actually paint it down into their scalp or use a Q-tip in certain areas to get it down there. But oftentimes if the hair is, is wet and you can part it with a, a brush or a comb and section it off and apply it that way, it tends to be a little bit more manageable. Great. I love all the uh, construction analogies we have. We have paintbrush and bricks. We're really talking about self-improvement. Yeah, absolutely. While it is quite a project to be um, taking care of the biggest organ of the body, the skin, and um, you know, thinking about it in practical ways, I think really helps patients um, take care of this chronic condition um, with a little bit more confidence. Yeah, absolutely. So how about anti-itch products? What key ingredients should someone look for to stop the itch? 
Itch is a really complex sensation, and it can have so many causes. Um, so we want to be thinking about uh, reducing itch based on the cause. And in psoriasis, it's often related to inflammation. So one of the first things that come to mind is the use of hydrocortisone, which we mentioned a little bit earlier, which is a, a topical corticosteroid that's found over the counter that can help reduce itch somewhat by reducing the inflammation that's in the skin that's actually causing the itch. We also know that nerves play a large role in the itch sensation. So there are some other over-the-counter topical preparations that really focus on um, kind of dampening the sensation that the nerves feel in terms of itch. One of those is a, an ingredient called Promoxine. It's a non-steroidal topical that works essentially as an anesthetic by having a mild numbing effect on the skin. Another one that's found over the counter um, contains menthol, and this is an ingredient um, that essentially tricks the nerves into feeling a nice cool sensation rather than feeling that itch sensation. Um, that one in particular can be put in the refrigerator and it really then enhances a cooling sensation and patients can find this really soothing. I do wanna mention that there are uh, many over-the-counter uh, preparations that include diphenhydramine, which is an antihistamine that does definitely have anti-itch properties, but it works by reducing histamine. And I think that's important to point out because in psoriasis, it's not a histamine-driven process. So I probably wouldn't waste your pennies or your time using a diphenhydramine product because the reason for the itch is um, inflammation rather than an overabundance of um, histamine in the skin. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I really like the refrigerator menthol soothing. That sounds great. Another thing that we hear a lot about is the pain with psoriasis. So let's talk a little bit about pain relief patches. There's so many over-the-counter choices now. Are there benefits or caution to using this type of product? As far as pain patches go, I would really um, proceed with caution. And the main reason is that psoriasis, of course, can be very painful in the skin, but there is also a type of joint inflammation or arthritis that can occur in the setting of psoriasis called psoriatic arthritis. About 30% of patients who have psoriasis will go on to develop psoriatic arthritis, and that can be a very painful condition. You can have back pain or knee pain, wrists, hands, neck, shoulders, and I would hate for a patient to be mistaking um, joint pain and thinking it's actually skin pain. So my piece of advice in terms of uh, pain related to your psoriasis is if you really have localizing pain over a joint or a certain part of your extremity that's really kind of focused into one area, I would consider talking with your uh, healthcare provider because psoriatic arthritis is a condition uh, that really should be intervened on early in order to stop destruction of the joint. So um, if you're having a lot of pain with your psoriasis, I think that's a really important time to uh, bring in a healthcare provider. Definitely, very important. So in general, when someone's looking at the ingredients list, are there any ingredients that cause irritation or should be avoided completely in an over-the-counter product? I think that's a great question and a really pertinent one because we've spent a lot of time talking about what we should be looking for in ingredients. We also want to pay attention to what we should be avoiding um, in terms of um, ingredients and topicals, things like alcohol, 
dyes, fragrances, perfume mixes. These are very common ingredients or groups of ingredients that can hide uh, or be snuck into many over-the-counter topicals, and they can actually be very irritating to the skin, especially when it's in such a vulnerable state already. Also, believe it or not, some of the topicals that I mentioned earlier, like salicylic acid or coal tar, if used inappropriately or left on the skin for too long um, or used on the wrong body location, for example, the genitals can cause a lot of irritation on the skin. So if you're noticing that you're using a certain treatment and your skin irritation is getting worse and not better, it's time to stop that treatment and contact your dermatology team. So along those same lines, when should someone really consider moving to a prescription treatment? You know, I think this might be surprising for our listeners, but patients uh, with psoriasis generally wait too long to start treating their psoriasis, um, whether that be with a topical or an oral medication or an injectable medication. So in my opinion, it's never too early to inquire about a prescription treatment and really never too late to start. Um, If you have started an over-the-counter treatment regimen for your psoriasis at home and you've been using for three or four weeks and really haven't noticed any improvement or you've noticed worsening, that would be time to consider a prescription-based treatment. Also, if your psoriasis involves a larger surface area of your body, we um, characterize psoriasis as mild, moderate, or severe, and we base that on body surface area. And if your body surface area is more than 5 or 10%, which is moderate or moderate to severe or severe disease, that's really the time you want to consider getting on prescription treatment. And since psoriasis is considered to be a systemic disease, do you feel there's still value in treating the disease with topicals? Is there a risk of not treating the whole body as soon as possible? I think there absolutely is a benefit in treating the disease with topicals, even though it's a systemic disease. Topicals can offer a significant amount of relief from the day-to-day symptoms like itching, burning, flaking, and we'll often use topicals in combination to systemic therapies in the office uh, for patients who have more severe disease, and they offer um, a secondary way of controlling symptoms, and it also provides the patient with some control over their symptoms and the ability to use things as needed and back off when they don't need them as much. With certain therapies, we're sometimes left with a few stubborn spots of psoriasis, and topicals can be really helpful in clearing up those last few stubborn spots. And we see a lot about uh, new pharmaceutical treatments that come out, but what about new over-the-counter topicals? Are there any that you can talk about? It can be almost impossible to keep up with all of the latest products coming out, Uh, but the themes really are the same. All of the ingredients that we mentioned before, like hydrocortisone or coal tar, salicylic acid, ammonium lactate, promoxine, menthol, those are really kind of the standard themes that we see in different topicals that may be whipped up into a new formulation or packaged in a different way. But the basic guidelines that we reviewed earlier really hold true and stay the same. Fantastic. Well, in closing, what additional tips would you like to pass along to our listeners today? I think what I'd like the listeners to know is that they're not alone in feeling overwhelmed at the sheer volume and and variety of over-the-counter products that are available to them, Um, whether it's being bombarded by products popping up on your newsfeed or the seemingly endless shelves of skin products in the store. They're everywhere. But instead of feeling overwhelmed, hopefully this podcast has led patients to feel a little bit more empowered and more knowledgeable so that they can choose more wisely and really have a game plan when they go into the store. 
Um, you can also check out the National Psoriasis Foundation's patient website and download a free over-the-counter product guide fact sheet. Um, lastly, and I think most importantly, if you need any additional guidance about the products that you're using or what products to try or to avoid, ask your provider. We're more than likely um, to be available to help, and we're really happy that patients are wanting to do um, as much as they can for their disease and taking control of things. So I think um, ask your provider if you have any questions and know that we're here to help. Great. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on Soundbites and talking about over-the-counter products with us today. Thanks, Green. For those of you who are interested in the free over-the-counter product guide that Veronica mentioned, here's a word about the Foundation's Seal of Recognition program, which is where you'll find this information. Through the Seal of Recognition, the National Psoriasis Foundation highlights over-the-counter products for people with psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, and or individuals living with severe sensitive skin or joint mobility limitations. These products have been created or intended to be non-irritating and safe. So how does a product earn the seal? The process begins when a manufacturer submits an application. The application includes independently tested scientific data demonstrating that the product does not irritate skin and or joints already burdened with psoriatic disease, severe sensitive skin, or joint mobility limitations. The application and testing results are then independently reviewed by a panel of dermatology and rheumatology experts and people living with psoriatic disease. A product must be unanimously approved by the review panel to earn the seal of recognition. Check out a list of products that have earned the seal of recognition at psoriasis.org forward slash seal. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.